long ago in a galaxy far, far away, there exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Lucasfilm presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 83, Star Duel. Star Wars, issue 15, September 1978, cover date. Hello and welcome to another episode of the comic book Time Machines Marvel Cosmic Comics special series that really isn't a special series. It's the main series right now, but that's another story for another time. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to talk about Marvel's science fiction comic books that they were publishing from 1977 to 1986, which was the time period where they were publishing Star Wars, the Star Wars comic. And to start with, I've been told, don't apologize in podcasting. There's no apologizing in podcasting, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, there's been a long gap. Actually, I'm going to apologize for a couple things, starting with this long gap between podcasts. Uh, basically, what you can know is for the comic book time machine, if there is a long period of time where there is no episode coming from from me anyway, um, you can be uh, pretty sure that means I'm busy. And usually it's a good kind of busy. Uh, this summer has been a good kind of busy, a regular kind of busy, and also a bad kind of busy. Uh, the good kind of busy has come from a lot of writing that I've been doing. Uh, the regular kind of busy has just been, it's summer, and and then the bad kind of busy has been a handful of family emergencies. And so um, I'm here recording this now. Why? Well, because I finished a a nice handful actually of major writing projects and uh i wish i had time to do a podcast about every single thing that i read this summer that influenced the things that i was writing especially when you consider that a lot of the things that i write are actually adaptations of um, bible stories and how those adaptations that i wrote have been influenced by i think i've mentioned the ronin influence but also um watchmen and uh the old EC comics, uh, especially some some classic ones, and uh, <laughs> Rashomon, a, a movie that that uh, I was watching that, and the way that the characters were addressing uh, Judge in that movie as if they were witnessing to the judge, but they actually were looking at the viewer, and uh, I, I used that anyway. All that to say, got a lot of writing done. It was great, a lot of fun. I I still write in my free time. But my evening free time tends to be, you know, a couple times a week goes toward podcasting. And so I haven't had a lot of evening free time because I've been spending just a lot of hours researching and writing. Um, the other thing uh, I kind of want to apologize for is if you hear my fan, it is hot, man. 
I am podcasting in a way that I've never ever podcasted before because uh, it's just so hot in this house. Uh, the house being my own, uh, I decided I'm not I'm not going to sit in my office. I'm sitting in my living room near a window with a fan, and I'm using a different microphone. Um, and so it's just kind of a different setup for me anyway. And so if, if things sound different or weird, well, that's one of the reasons why. Um, also, another reason might be just because I'm different and, and weird. But uh, that's, a, that's another topic for another time, for another place. Uh, let's see. There's one other thing I was going to apologize about. But, oh, my voice. I, I don't need to apologize about that. I hope I don't need to apologize about that. <laughs> But um, sore throat, you know, but I, I want a podcast about Star Wars, man. I've been reading uh, and I can't wait to, to, to talk about this episode, this issue uh, of Star Wars. There's uh, looking at the slip that I have here of what's coming up also this month. It's a smaller month. Godzilla, Human Fly, Star Wars. There's no man from Atlantis. Uh, there's John Carter. There is a John Carter Warlord of Mars annual that'll come at the end of the coverage. Um, but for now, I just want to talk about some Star Wars. So let's let's get it started, shall we? Star Wars issue number 15 is titled Star Duel. And on the cover, we see uh, Han Solo shooting it out with some space pirates outside of a space pirate star destroyer. And it says, at last, Han Solo's showdown with Crimson Jack. This issue would have gone for 35 cents if you had bought it from the spinner rack like I did when I went back in time to pick up these comic books. And it's... I guess the question is, was it worth the time and energy to, well, run a time machine to go back in time? I mean, you, you, once you run the time machine and you're looking at a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, in taxpayers' money to do so, but at the same time, uh, you, you're, you're spending only 35 cents on a comic book. So, I mean, you're saving money there. So that's, that's, that's not too shabby. That's not too bad. But, uh, yeah, this, this comic book was written by Archie Goodwin, who also served as the editor. The artists are Carmine Infantino and Terry Austin. Uh, John Costanza is the letterer. Janice Cohen is the colorist. And Jim Shooter is consulting editor, which is nice. You know, the, the writer-editor thing is an interesting thing. And it's, so, it's actually a role that I've played in some of my own writing where um, there is no other editor that, other than... Then me, uh, there's been a couple times where I didn't realize that. I turned in a script, and yeah, it, it went uh, straight from me to the artist to the letterer. And I got back the the pages, and I'm, I'm looking through them, and I'm like, oh, there's a typo here, and there's a typo here. And then I think, okay, well, what were they doing that there's all these typos until I looked at the script that I sent and realized, oh, I sent a script that had those typos in it, and those typos were not found by anyone except me until it was almost too late. I did manage to catch those uh, on that. But that's actually happened a couple times with one of my publishers. Uh, anyway, ha it's always good to have another editor, and, and so I'm glad that Jim Shooter was, was working here as the consulting editor. And I'm not sure exactly how the relationship worked um, between all of these people, but uh, Archie Goodwin as the writer-editor, uh, that, that gives him the opportunity to have a lot more control over what the story looks like and how it, how it plays out. And this story, uh, I mean, let's just jump right into it. It picks up right after the last issue. And the last issue, issue 14, is what wrapped up the, the Waterworld War as far as um, where Luke had crash-landed as he was looking for a new place to put the Rebel base. And now that I think of it, um, you know, Princess Leia took off after him, 
I don't know what the Rebel Alliance is up to these days. Uh, we've been just spending a lot of time away from them on, on, on these other planets as Han Solo has been doing his adventures and Luke Skywalker has been having to get rescued on this water world and, and Princess Leia was going after Luke. And yeah, maybe, maybe soon we'll find out what the Rebel Alliance has been up to as well. But in this issue, the wrap-up for that water world storyline is, is done. But there's still some loose ends, and, and one loose end is that hanging around outside of the water world is this giant Star Destroyer that was taken over by Crimson Jack and his uh, band of, of pirates, which includes a young lady named Jolly. Or Jolly. Uh, she wears a beret, she has pink hair, and she wears a skimpy outfit. Clearly, you know, she's a space pirate, and... She also has a real, real problem with Han Solo because he's made her think about things that she just never thought she could think about as far as love and, and men. Because we find out she has a pretty tragic backstory. I mean, her backstory rivals anything Dr. Doofenshmirtz would have in line of, uh, of a tragic backstory. But um, she's, she grew up on a, just a brutal world. And they were attacked uh, by by Imperials, and her father uh, left her mother and her to burn, uh, just to die on a on this world. And so her her mother died as well. But Jolie or Jolly, I don't know why I say Jolie. Is Angelina Jolie or something like that? I don't know. But um, Jolly survived, and she was. It says. She lived to become a man-hater and space pirate, ever ready to prove that she's, quote, good enough, because her father's last words to her mother was, forget it, you're not good enough, because he wasn't going to fight for them or stay with them. So the other uh, primary character who's outside of our main cast of Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, C-3PO, R2-D2, Han Solo, Chewbacca, is, uh, as I mentioned before, Crimson Jack. He's a pirate, and uh, basically it all comes down to this. Han Solo is on the world, this water world because he tricked Crimson Jack to bringing him, Chewbacca, and Princess Leia there. And because they, they knew that Luke was there and they needed to find Luke and, and help him. So Crimson Jack has waited for them while they were down on the planet uh, helping win a war uh, for the, uh, I guess they're not the indigenous uh, inhabitants, but for the current inhabitants. The, the war is done now, and they're kind of waiting because they know Crimson Jack is up above waiting for them. And also waiting for them is Jolly, who she's has she has confused feelings about Han Solo, she witnessed a kiss with Princess Leia and Han Solo. And I, I just have to say, uh, Jolly, as a character, there's a lot to talk about. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, gender politics that really, maybe not gender politics, maybe it's just, uh, well, it's, this is not um, a comic book that any feminist is going to wave and say, look, female role models. Um, Princess Leia, she's still a, a pretty, pretty good role model of someone who acts and someone who pushes people into action. And it's not just uh, I'm pushing you into action because I've been captured. Although I mean that does happen with her and, and did happen with her. But here she's, uh, I would say, a, a strong feminine feminist role model. Uh, 
Jolly, not so much. <laughs> she's she's not. Uh, yeah, there's a lot that they could have done with her that they just plain did not do. Uh, we spent a couple pages in this issue uh, just recapping what happened last time around, last issue. And then um, the team gets in the Millennium Falcon because, you know what? There's There's no reason to wait. Let's just go. Crimson Jack is up there, and we've got some plans. So they fly up. Jolly's flying around in uh, a Y-Wing, which is kind of cool to see. And there's some TIE fighters that are coming after them that are also uh, space pirates. And basically, there's no way that, that our team is going to get out of here, especially on the hunk of junk that is called the Millennium Falcon. But, you know, Han Solo always has a, a card up his sleeve, even when he's wearing short sleeves. I mean, he's not actually. He's wearing long sleeves now. But if he was wearing short sleeves, he would have a card up his sleeve. And he's got a trick. And basically the trick is this, that if he kills them, if he destroys Millennium Falcon, Crimson Jack will also destroy the navigation tapes that they need to be able to make the jump to hyperspace and, and navigate the galaxy. That's something that any self-respecting space pirate is going to need. And so they are going to bargain. They um, Originally, that uh, Hansel was going to use that as a bargain uh, to get back his treasure, which Crimson Jack stole from him, yeah, as space pirates do. But now it's, you know, for their, their lives to, to get home. So while they're buying time and also making this bargain, there is one thing going on here that I found so neat that I've seen them do this. Uh, I didn't see the, but this seems to be the first time. Uh, R2-D2 as an astromech droid is sent out onto the hull of the Millennium Falcon to do some repairs and stuff. I thought that was really neat to see. Uh, I'm assuming this is the first time. Uh, we did see R2-D2 in the back of the X-Wing uh, as a passenger who's doing some repairs there. But this was this was pretty cool to see. Uh, C-3PO went out too, but they're they're fixing the ship. So they're going to make a, a handoff. And... Uh, Han Solo agrees to meet with Crimson Jack out in space within the shields of the Star Destroyer. So they don't have to wear spacesuits. They're just wearing uh, masks and, and jetpacks. And they're going to uh, make a, a handoff. They're going to make, do a trade. The trade is, is also I mean, it's for a, a, a gyro, gyro, gyro. This is not a sandwich or a wrap, I guess. I never... I don't like gyros, 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 whatever you're supposed to call them. They don't want that. They want a gyro control module because it's been damaged on the Millennium Falcon. And Crimson Jack and his guys, they, they have one. So they're going to go fly out into space, and they're going to make a handoff. And this is kind of fun. It's only a couple pages, but basically you have these two tricky tricksters who are trying to go out, and they're going to trick each other. And they both bring the thing that the other one needs because they both know that the other one's going to have a micro um, a micro scanner. And but they also both bring weapons, even though they both agreed no weapons. Although Crimson Jack seems to act surprised that Han Solo wasn't very honorable, he brought his weapon. Han Solo is totally expecting Crimson Jack to be completely and utterly not 
honorable. But uh, Crimson Jack seems surprised. In fact, there's an exchange that Luke and Han Solo have where Luke says, what if, he's, what if he tries to trick you? What if he's not telling the truth? And Han Solo says, I'll be disappointed if he doesn't try to trick me because that's his nature. And so they fly in close together, and Crimson Jack tries to attack Han Solo. Han Solo grabs the thing that he needs, uh, but Crimson Jack has made the signal to uh, create the vacuum between the Star Destroyer and the Millennium Falcon. Um, and so you get this tense moment where there's a little bit of fighting, and and then this is where Jolly, Jolly just ugh, frustrates me. Uh, she goes in to rescue Han Solo, turns against her people by crashing her ship into the Star Destroyer, and the Star Destroyer is crippled by this, and then Han Solo gets his final showdown with, with Crimson Jack, and honestly, I'm really glad that the final showdown with Crimson Jack plays out the way it does, because I, I wanted to see Han Solo do this fighting, and it gives a, a nice wrap-up to the whole Han Solo story arc starting in issue uh, seven, and but it, uh, the jolly stuff it just doesn't sit well with me, and and maybe it's just a sign of the times. I mean, this is 1978, and we're you know here we are, uh, nearly 40 years later, um, and yeah, you've come a long way, baby. You you really have uh, this kind of story. I don't know if it would have ever worked the way it does here in uh, modern context but uh, it ends with Jolly getting her first and last kiss because her crashed ship um, they go they make a, a search through the the wreckage and the debris to and they find Jolly laying there in the wreckage of her ship which is um, inside the Star Destroyer and, and uh, the, the atmosphere is fading and Jolly, the impression that you get, they don't actually say it. They just, they give the impression that she dies here. And they fix the Millennium Falcon and, and then they get out of here. And uh, so, okay, so now we've had these, I, I kind of broke them up into story arcs, but this wraps things up nicely with the Water War, with uh, Han Solo's uh, Magnificent Seven um, adventure, which, by the way, Magnificent Seven remake is coming soon i can't wait i'm very excited to see it but all all told this these 15 issues uh, with the nine original issues have been a lot of fun and next issue is the hunter i don't know much about what it is but i did peek ahead at the cover jackson the space rabbit is on the cover for issue number 16 so we will see what that means and what that's going to look like is he actually there i didn't know there was any more stories with jackson the space rabbit but uh he's coming and i don't know if the hunter's coming for him or what but uh this whole crimson jack thing great uh nice nice storyline goofy costume uh but nice character and all, when all is said and done, I've really, really, really enjoyed reading these issues of, of Star Wars. So, yeah, next up, I'm going to be just biting the bullet and jumping straight in to the human fly. And when I say jumping straight in, apparently I'm doing some ski jumping. So, human fly coming up in the next segment of the Marvel's Cosmic Comics. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. May the Force be with you. And Godspeed.
Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. episode human fly issue 13 chasm of fear mission for you. I need you to listen to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. It's a monthly podcast where Aaron Moss, Codename Head, and two other Joes, Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, will be reporting on the comic book G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Previously published by Marvel, currently being published by IDW Comics. We'll also cover the special missions, the yearbooks, order battles, etc. To hear their message, report to G.I. Speaks dot com or iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can get further information at Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter. All under G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Dismissed. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, a real American headcast is a proud member of the headcast family.